Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. This is our news and cues. Cues standing for questions, not multiples of the character from Star Trek. So we're going to talk news. We're going to take your questions. And this week, we got a bunch of great news that's about toys in the future of Star Wars. Two of my favorite topics, Ken. It's all wrapped up. And plus, we're going to talk about uh, Q from Star Trek, Q from Bond, <laughs> any cues uh, that you'd love. It's a, it's a great letter. It's an underrated letter. And uh, as always, I want to remind you, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we have our uh, four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Uh, but let's first uh, talk about uh, Star Wars uh, Life Adventures, Joseph. Uh, yeah. Time, as always, we say that often because it is. But what's going on? <laughs> yeah, plenty of uh, different life adventures, uh, ups and downs and all that stuff. But for Star Wars Adventures uh, this week, uh, we talked about it last week. We recorded on my birthday. Last Monday was my birthday. Uh, and I had a wonderful birthday. It was great fun to record with you. Had some uh, great uh, celebratory time uh, with my wife and some cocktails. My wife got me a, a lovely uh, a range of gifts. <laughs> Over oh. the years, she has uh, so attuned to like, I'm going to get him a gift from almost every different fandom he loves and something he's mm-hmm. interested in in the real world. And got me a book about like uh, uh, writings about the history of Los Angeles and Doctor Who stuff, blah, blah, blah. All sorts of great stuff. But she got she always is like, I'm going to get you at least one Star Wars thing. Don't worry about it. Uh, so she got me some new sweatpants uh, because <laughs> I have a couple of uh, Star Wars sweatpants, my Phasma pants. And then I have mm-hmm. uh, uh, Millennium Falcon pants. And I had been like saying, like, I got to make time because I'm just I'm going to Google Star Wars sweatpants. And because I'm going to buy like if this current situation is going to go on, I'm going to buy like 80 pairs of Star Wars sweatpants and that's going to be it. Yes. <laughs> and she was like, just, you know, maybe wait, maybe wait. Uh, so she got me this lovely pair of sweatpants uh, that says the Mandalorian and then has a picture of the child in his little floating pram, his little pod. Uh, so I am excited, thrilled to wear uh, my sweatpants with the child on them, which is a weird sentence, but in Star Wars context, <laughs> everyone knows what it means. And then, uh, it still wasn't enough for me. So like right at the end of my actual birthday at mm, about 1145, uh, I went online and I bought myself the uh, retro uh, Bespin Luke for the 40th mm. anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. So wonderful uh, yeah. ways to just kind of surround myself with Star Wars, which continues to make me happy. So uh, those are my adventures, sweatpants and <laughs> recreations of 40 year old action figures. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's so exciting. That's beautiful. I, I, I didn't have much. Uh, I used a Kylo Ren lightsaber to move a spider. Uh, <laughs> and, and that, that what spider? <laughs> More? Yeah, just uh, I, I try really hard. Um, try really hard to not just kill spiders. I try to move them, but our house is essentially a spider zoo. 
And we do have some exterminators coming by because we got brown widows, which are fun. Not even the, the black widows or brown recluses. Brown widows. Just a just a combination of terrors. And uh, <laughs> killed 18 of them in the last week and a half, two weeks. But I moved oh, to one. Oh, my. Yeah, just a, a non, uh, non-angry spot. Actually, the brown widows aren't pretty angry. You just, you just you don't want to run into them in an alley. Uh, I moved this. I had nothing. I had nothing. I was at the back door. Uh, and I was like, oh, this Kylo Ren lightsaber. Because, of course, you have to ignite it. Because <laughs> it's a light source. A light source. So uh, that's uh, very nicely. I, I, I got the spider on the uh, blade and moved it to a nearby plant where I hope it's uh, living a, a great life uh, out of my uh, face. So, yeah, let, let me make sure I have this picture right. That you were doing this in the darkness. So you are wandering in the darkness, illuminated by the red glow of your Kylo Ren lightsaber. And you were removing a spider. This is accurate. This is an accurate depiction of everything. I need a painting of that. That's quite an image. <laughs> we need some good art. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was it. That was, uh, that was, I mean, I didn't even get a chance to Battlefront this week. Mm. I had to move some Star Wars books around. It's just one of those weeks, man. Just one of those uh, crazy weeks. A lot of people come by the house working on things, fixing things, and, and we all get those. Uh, so it's nice to take a little break and, and talk Star Wars or watch Star Wars in preparation of the Clone Wars Clone Wars review. I did uh, watch the uh, Malevolence uh, arc, though it was interesting. I accidentally, you know, I'm on the treadmill, and I look down on the Disney Plus app, and I'm just kind of scrolling through on my phone. And I, I oh, there it is. And I press press it, and I watch the entire episode going, I thought there was another one before this. So I, I went to episode two before one. <laughs> um, it, almost like the Clone Wars uh, itself. So we'll, we'll be reviewing those episodes on Friday. All right. We can talk about them in whichever order you want. Yeah, and effort, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, let's get to Star Wars news. A look at all the goings on in the galaxy. Galaxy, like Joseph said, a lot of toys. A lot of... Uh, a lot of toys. I mean, I'm still scrolling. A lot of toys. Had an interesting little interview with Kathleen Kennedy popped up that uh, we're going to dive into. Before that, though, we do we want to address as as we like to do on Force Center. We understand there was uh, another news story going around. Well, there's a couple news stories going around about when or when not a trailer should drop or when when a trailer will. Uh, as always, the Force Center position is we'll talk about a trailer when the trailer shows up. <laughs> um, the other thing is, uh, yeah, there was a, a, a controversial uh, death of a character, some controversial stuff in a Star Wars comic, the issue four of Bounty Hunters. So just if we wanted to kind of acknowledge that, we always like to just acknowledge when there's bigger conversations or things going on. Uh, personally, I've not read the issue yet. I'm aware of some of the details now, even even more than I was this weekend. Uh, and so we just want to have a, 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 I don't know, address it in some way, right, Joseph? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have not read the actual run of the Bounty Hunter series. I read a couple different articles on this uh, so I could get a general sense of the context. And for me, it seemed like, yeah, th- there was some graphic death and violence toward uh, women and uh, gay character all in one issue. And for me, the conversation about Star Wars and death, we've been talking about it a lot on Clone Wars, because there's so so much violence. We got a great question uh, last week uh, on this very news and cues type episode about should there ever be an R-rated Star Wars, you know? And I always think it's a very good and valuable uh, discussion to talk about not only violence in Star Wars and what its sort of meaning is, but it really does matter how it is presented and when it is presented and who uh, the violence is happening to, who is uh, perpetrating the violence, because... Star Wars doesn't happen in in a vacuum. And to me, there is a difference between 
yeah, yeah, we we know that that whole planet exploded and a whole planet full of people blew up. And, and yes, that is awful. But it, it matters how we tell that story, whether or not we focus on it. And that changes things. And to me, that's what's really important about this story is if a lot of people who are impacted by it, of the way the storytelling is happening and who the story is happening to in this particular moment in time, then I think it's important to take some time and examine that. I don't feel like I'm not entirely caught up on the comic book and I think there are better voices. So I wanted to be sure that you and I kind of mentioned it because mm-hmm. I think to not mention something like this is to sort of just say it's not a problem. Um, but I would also say that uh, I think if people want to dive into it more and hear some different opinions, those are out there. If you just, you know, Google, you know, bounty hunter issue, I think it's for um, controversy. Uh, you know, uh, you'll always find plenty of things if you Google Star Wars controversy, but you can look into this one in particular. And I think it's important to say if you want to be aware of what's going on and hear some other people's voices, uh, and to me, the, the most important people's voices are the, the people who are being represented, uh, to, that those voices are out there and they can be found. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. I echo a lot, a lot of what you're saying there. I have read the comic up to this issue, and this is not to lower anything about this particular uh, controversy. I don't remember much of the first three issues. It's just not a comic that's landing with me. I'm not a bounty hunter guy, right? And all those kind of things. So uh, that's not to say that it's not this, the line is an interesting, there's a lot of people and it brought in some cool new characters that people were connecting to or felt represented by. And that's, that's the conversation too. I, I'm all for, I'm all for certain kinds of deaths or deaths to tell stories. And I want the creators to do what they want to do. Uh, You know, my comfort, I'm not worried about, but also that goes a lot of different ways, you know, but the end of the day is when you only, the conversation does come to, uh, for me about uh, representation when, when, when you only have a small amount of uh, uh, characters representing a large amount of people, there's so much pressure on those characters that you have to be careful how you tell their story. That's just what it is. You, you, you are, you are entering that kind of uh, world where that stuff is, is, is not just important, it's necessary. And that, that opens up that conversation to me, you know, uh, you have an LGBTQ plus character that's there. Yay. And then you kill it. Boo. Uh Oh, that's because it's the only one, you know, that's the problem to me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I am again, what I, what I'm, what I mean by my comfort or comfort as an audience, um, that, that goes both directions for me. Like this, this, when I say comfort, I mean, upset, emotional, sad, even uh, disgusted, offended, any, anything uncomfortable as a viewer, it goes always. Cause uh, you know, you are maybe uncomfortable about this character being killed, but there's also people that are uncomfortable with that character even existing. Right. So comfort is kind of this big thing for me, but that all goes aside for that bigger issue. And I think Joseph, you're right. I, 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 would love uh, for you, you out there, if you want to know more of it, like Joseph said, go search the voices that are uh, affected the most and, and listen to them on this conversation. Then maybe when I get the full context, we can talk about it some more, but I haven't uh, gone to my shop uh, and won't be for a bit. So, so that's uh, our thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, well said. <laughs> hey, you know, like I said, I, I think it's important for, like you said, we have to acknowledge some of this, even if um, uh, on this morning, I haven't, uh, taking that dive into that pool the pool's still there exactly and it's still important and we still think that uh, people should uh, read up on it and understand where people are coming from and uh speaking of uh you know reading up on there's a lot of toys things to read up on 
to that's that's it was a weird transition. I apologize. Please <laughs> for listeners. Serious things, toys. But hey, Star Wars is all of those things, actually. I think you have to be able to have all of those conversations. And toys are part of it. Toys are what we take home with us to show how much we love these series, these figures. Um, we have uh, got, uh, I, I know Celebration's coming up, Joseph. And I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. Especially, uh, we got Funkos that were going to be released at Star Wars Celebration this upcoming weekend, right? Wow, it's weird to think. Yep. Uh, let's start with Hasbro. I'll just run through these. We got vintage. We got black series. We got a lightsaber. We got five packs, three and three quarter, five packs. Uh, the vintage line uh, includes the Tana V4 playset, which is that. It's just the hallways. Figures, I don't know, I'm not even sure if the figures are included at this point. Uh, yeah, the Rebel Trooper comes with. Oh, you have just one. So <laughs> Vader can kill that one guy again and again and again. Make sure you buy that. Uh, and of course, my page isn't reloading. Let's reload that page so I can see. It. Uh, then we got Hondo, Hondo Anaka. This is um, more of a mold to match his uh, Galaxy's Edge uh, appearance. Uh, he's a, a, a fixture on Batu. And then we got Rogue One Vader. So there you go. Buy that Vader. Throw him in the hallway, and you'll be <laughs> all right. Um, We'll start there, Joseph. Uh, the Vintage Line, we're, we're fans of the Vintage Line. What do you think about what's going on here? And will you have this playset on your desk? <laughs> uh, if I had a larger desk, yes, yes. Uh, I, I hope that they keep making playsets that uh, other people are very excited about and then I'm not as excited about, so then I don't feel bad when I can't buy them uh, right. because I don't quite have room. I really like that they're being um, imaginative about, like, you can buy... Uh, multiples of this and you can make the corridor longer you can I think enclose it you know uh, mm. so you can kind of uh, build your own uh, hallway of doom uh, to put Vader through so I think I, I really like that they're being imaginative with the play sets and to me I'm just happy that they m keep making play sets because that is a part of the vintage experience mm. it wasn't just the figures it was so cool when you got a play set or a vehicle so I love that that continues to be a part of the line um, and then for my own uh, personal thing when i just read the text like rogue one vader like I, I know what's going on with the toys that a lot of it is not only what is the, what will actually sell who is the market right now and you know what are molds that only required so much you know work or just a new paint job and those things are going to be prioritized so when i read rogue one vader like come on i have enough vaders i have a there's a great version of this vader in three and three quarter and, and then i saw it and i was like yeah no i need that <laughs> I'm gonna buy that because it's it it is a great mold, uh, and it, you know he's got his hands clasped in in <laughs> violence gestures, mm -hmm. uh, and you know on the Rogue One card with that scene, you know, yeah, it's great, uh, yeah, and you know again we we've talked about the hallway scene a lot, so I don't need to belabor the point, but I think that is just another quick uh, reminder that I, I don't have any problem with violence in Star Wars. It it is really really about how it is told from what perspective, who is it happening to? What does it mean? What is it meant to make you feel all, all those, all those things. So, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And this is a great reminder because we're on to fun toys and it's a hallway of death <laughs> hallway of and death. I want it for fun, you know? So it does, it does matter. It is an intricate discussion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, great point on, on that too. Um, yeah, all of it looks good. Yeah, the Vaders, you know, I love collecting my, my Vaders and, and I think it, I think it's the packaging that would convince me to buy this one because I'm looking at the figure and I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, all right. You know, uh, I've seen Vaders before. Then you look at the packaging and you're like, oh, he does have his fist clenched. I think <laughs> I need that on my wall. Um, 
I wish you had rooms for the play sets. I really do. Uh, I wish I had room for my Lego sets. I, you know, uh, but I'm not 12 anymore. And even then I ran out of space. So uh, as, as I spent a good portion of my Sunday moving storage boxes around in my storage shed uh, and cleaning out more brown widows in the storage shed, that's a fun surprise. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't have room for this uh, play set, but it looks good. It looks good. And man, it probably that's probably going to look good on Mike Black's shelves. All right. Oh, you yeah. Know? I look forward to seeing all the great Instagram shots. Yeah. Black Series, uh, not a ton there. Clone Trooper Phase 1 Lieutenant, a Purge Trooper from Fallen Order, uh, which is uh, those Purge Troopers are oh, they're, they're kind of like a video game staple. Big, bulky stormtrooper that can fight lightsabers, right? Like going yep. back to Force Unleashed. Uh, they're always Purge or Surge or Blurgs, <laughs> stormtroopers. I do like them. I just don't. I think I see them as video game only in my brain. Even if they show up in a movie, I'd be like, oh, that's from the video game. I'm always going to connect them with that. But the figure looks nice. It, it does look nice. Uh, I could see it hanging on a wall and looking at it and going, yep, I got a Purge Trooper. Yeah, that's another one of those where I'm like, oh, cool. It's probably not a must buy for me, which I really need to get down to. I'm only buying the must buys. Uh, but another one that I'm like, oh, I know people love the Fallen Order, that video game so much. And I know that there are people who really love when a video game character is made into a figure. So I'm very happy for the people that I know are thrilled about the Purge Trooper. Yeah, from there, we got a Black Series. Uh, speaking of need to buys, Palpatine lightsaber. All right. <laughs> I have the Senate. Uh, this is this is pretty impressive. Uh, how how uh, <laughs> how are you going to fit this on your shelf, Joseph? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think I need to start buying i i don't think they quite sell hilt only but i i think i, I need a hilt only because i just i just want it to be up my sleeve yep <laughs> and to just be able to you know uh have it uh come down anytime i'm upset it looks <laughs> nice he's got a nice sleek saber hilt uh you know i don't want to give palpatine a lot of credit here but it's no. an elegant looking killing weapon there Oh, it's one of the best because it's 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 the his, the true you know glaring red uh, death evil that is uh, Darth Sidious. But then it's so elegant. It's it mm. looks like what? What's the problem? I'm elegant. Yeah. What's what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. 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 Uh, this, this week on the main show, we're going to be diving in a little bit more into Palpatine and Anakin and the uh, opera house scene. So stay tuned for that. And maybe by then we'll each have this lightsaber in our hands. You need two, right? Because he did have two, so. He did have two. He did have two. We got some packs coming up next year. Uh, this is, uh, I don't know why I made me think of you, Joseph. Uh, you know, you're more about two packs. This is five packs. We have a lot, we have a lot here. Uh, so I'll just roll through here. We've got the Jedi Order pack, uh, which is, oh my gosh, what droid is that? Uh, well, that's the, this whole series is what droid is that? And, and I, I want to mm. let you read it and then I'll, I'll share some droid thoughts. Okay, we got Mace, Anakin, Yoda, Obi-Wan, and uh, uh, Astromech Droid. I currently do not know, and I can't find the description. So we'll come back to that, like Joseph said. What droid is that? Uh, the, the Gabe Show that's sweeping the nation. Galactic Republic, which includes four clone troopers of different uh, designs and uh, classes and ranks, and then a battle droid uh, that is uh, blue. I can just... I can if we're going to go through each one, I can just tell you which the droids are. Okay, tell me what the droid is. Okay, yeah. So here, here's the deal. Uh, I joyfully lost like uh, almost two hours of my life looking at these guys. I I, I, I like the I like the uh, the five points of articulation. I understand why why other fans and collectors don't, but but I like them and I love packs. So the, these these are gee, these are just dangerous for me. But then I was just like 
this is the because this is the way it was done like in like uh 84 85 when the original line was phasing out they started packaging them and the, you would have like often like a cool one in a meh. Uh, so i was like what's the deal with the droids like you know it's because they can just repaint them but our good old site i did a bunch of googling trying to figure things out myself but our, our friends at jedibusiness.com well we assume they're our friends we like their website um never spoken to them but we like them they are thrilled because almost all these figures are uh, pre-existing that that luke skywalker and their the rebellion one this is the four three packaging of that figure uh okay. but the droids are all new so the jedi order one is r7a7 uh, ahsoka's droid oh yeah okay and the galactic republic is oom10 and that is the battle droid that r2 reprogrammed for the uh, uh invasion of the citadel in the clone wars so like they're not just random repaintings of like, hey, uh, we don't want we don't want to make another figure. So here we repainted a droid. It's purple. Take it. They're specific droids in Jedi business is like, oh, this is awesome. This is the first time this figure has ever been done or this is the first time it's been done like this. So the droids are actually the reason to be excited. There we go. All right. So I'll just do this. bounty hunters. What's the droid? <laughs> uh, that is Hondo Onaka's droid R5P8. R5P8, great. And you, great. See, you can see he's got the little drawing of the little teeth face on oh, him yeah, that, he that he does in the Clone Wars. That's great. Also, Bosk IG88 uh, uh, or 11 or 86 of uh, Boba Fett. And then that's Django, right? Because I initially scanned it down. I was like, oh, a Mandalorian one. Oh, it's Django. No, that's a Django. That's a, that's a father-son pack. Father son pack. Uh, we got Galactic Empire, Biker Scout, Snow Trooper, uh, Sand Trooper, and TIE Fighter Pilot. Uh, and then a, uh, a mysterious droid, which is R2Q5. Oh, yeah. I don't know R2Q5. <laughs> you, you would have beat me in that round of trivia. <laughs> Uh, finally, we got Rebel Alliance. I imagine this is R2D2. This that one is I've exactly correct. Yeah, very obscure <laughs> droid. Very obscure droid. Uh, we got uh, Jedi. This isn't it. We got Bespin Han, Chewie, uh, Hoth Leia, and then Jedi Endor Luke. That, uh-huh. That's it. I like that pack, though. That's a good all over the place. And then finally, the Sith. Mm. We got Palpatine, Kylo Ren. Yeah, I guess it counts. Uh, Maul, uh, Vader, and then uh, this is uh, this is a red protocol droid known as Bob. <laughs> but close. TC. Four, TC four. Yeah, yeah. So this is great. So I did some deep diving, and there is a red uh, protocol droid in the background of Empire Strikes Back. So I thought it was maybe him. I believe R three PO. But uh, according to Jedi Business, it is TC four, and TC four is from a cut scene in the Phantom Menace, and then uh, he is referenced in other uh legends no he's referenced in the star wars the visual encyclopedia mm. and then he did have some other references in uh legends because uh the wikipedia on the legends tab says tc4 was programmed with vast knowledge of the money-loving culture of the swokes swokes and served mm. the swokes swokes delegates to the galactic senate yeb yeb adam thorn uh but he is tc14 tc4 not tc14 yeah, mm. is canonically uh, Senator Palpatine's droid. So that is a, a man. That is that is that Jeez. Sith pack was put together by Palpatine by somebody who's <laughs> like, That's... I want to have the largest definition of what counts as a Sith. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, and it's right. Uh, TC four is right in the center too. It's a centerpiece. Yeah, oh, it, and I, if you ha- if you don't know that, which you know, it takes a lot of work to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you would just a kid would just be buying this pack and going, "Oh, cool! All the the famous, most evil uh, Sith and Dark Side heirs ever," and then a droid that's red <laughs> and mean. Uh, rounding out, we have the Resistance BB nine E's. Enjoyed that one. Uh, this one I do know. It's a two pointer. Uh, and then uh, the Resistance, uh, no deal. We get a Porg and BB eight and C three PO in that pack too, along with Finn, uh, Poe, and Ray, uh, leaders of the Resistance. Leaders of the Resistance all through the movies there. So all right, uh, we stumbled through that. Joseph wins that round of uh, research with some <laughs> welcome, uh, wonderful information on the droids because. I just was living in ignorance over here. I just was, I was the kid going red droid. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah. How what, are you going to get, how are you, how do you resist this? How are you going to resist this? Yeah. I may not be able to resist the Sith one because TC4 just uh, sitting there in the middle being all red of like, we are the most mm. powerful <laughs> villains the galaxy has ever known. This guy's red. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I can resist that. I, uh, I have most of those figures. Yeah. Already sure. in other packs. Clear some space, indeed. Uh, run through some of the other ones here and uh, have an overall discussion. Uh, Funkos, we're going to get some Celebration Funkos. Uh, we, we were, and we still are, going to get Concept Art Chewy, Concept Art Vader, Concept Art Starkiller, and Concept Art Boba Fett, paying homage to Ralph McQuarrie's designs. And also, we're going to get a nice little set Yoda lifting the X-Wing. Uh, so I love that. Why do we still love these concept art figures, Joseph? Years, 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 years later, they're still popping up. What's the connection there? I, I think I have two theories. I think one is a, people who've been collecting for a long time, or may, maybe it's maybe I shouldn't uh, be biased from my perspective, but I think that uh, there's a desire to have something unique, right? And I think there's this is like it's a deep cut, right, to see a the action figures or the Funko Pops of those original. Uh, drawings uh, is the mm-hmm. fun of having a deep cut and then I think for me there's just the like um, imagine that your first draft of something is so good that decades later people are making toys of your first draft <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a tribute to Ralph McQuarrie of like well I understand why all these characters evolved from what they were but they were damn cool on your first draft on your first try they were yeah. this amazing that we can't let go of them and he nails a lot of them. Yeah, it is. I think no matter when you discover Star Wars, it doesn't matter when. You just, when you start digging into the history, these pop up and they just inspire imagination. Giant what ifs, uh, the Dark Horse comic uh, that they put out towards the end of Dark Horse run with Star Wars of the event, the, the Star Wars, the Adventures Luke Starkiller kind of comic series brought a lot of these concepts to life. They're show up in Rebels. I mean, it's just, it is just, you just, you want to crawl into every corner of Star Wars when you become a fan of, of, of a certain uh, level of passion. And these kind of, uh, I think, take you back to the, wow, that was Luke. Han was going to be a green alien. Ah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Chewie's mouth didn't close. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you watch New Hope, he still has trouble closing his mouth. Um <laughs> which I love final reveal. Uh, this one, uh, man, this one probably I'll find a way to get it. Empire at 40 Lego star Wars. Bespin duel was going to be a, a celebration exclusive. Uh, now you can try and track it down. If you're like me, uh, this is, uh, the Bespin duel. We got uh, Vader. We got Luke hanging over there on the edge. Uh, Luke's got a little, uh, he's got a, you know, shocked pained facial expression on that Lego face. 
Um, definitely going to, this one, this one's calling me. Those five packs are calling you. This one's calling me. You need that display, right? Well, you know, it will be built and then put into a plastic toad in a storage box surrounded by brown widows. But I'll have it, Joseph. I'll have it. <laughs> That's what matters. Uh, we'll we'll get an office eventually and it will have like a <laughs> tiny amount of space for our actual podcast equipment. And then it will just be a museum that you and I get to visit. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of it right now. If you want a tour of uh, 1987 baseball cards that are worthless, come on down to my storage shed and there's some Funko Pops as well. <laughs> uh, we talked about our overall thoughts on these here. Uh, you know, at any time a new round of toys comes out, I get excited, Joseph, and then I lose. You know, what what do we really want next? Is there any figure? Or at this point, are we missing anything? I mean, big. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the this the the toy thing for me is always an exercise in learning from Star Wars and trying to let go. I understand that there is a reality of selling these, and there's a reality that uh, sequel era fans are not gonna are not buying toys in the volume apparently uh, to you know create more figures. But for me, like I really, really would love to see them start putting out some more figures from the Rise of Skywalker, and I do think there are. Uh, figures that would sell like in particular like i have my list of what i what i want just mm. blue sky in it but what figures that i think actually would sell i think the restored palpatine from uh the rise of skywalker i think that would sell with his you know awesome belt that he made out of the, the power <laughs> of the dyad i think would sell um in the vintage line because that's what i want the three and three quarter vintage right. i think cracked helmet kylo in three and three quarter vintage is like a that's gotta come soon I think I really, truly think vintage three and three quarter Jedi training Leia would uh, fly off the shelves of the Internet. Um, So those are three that I think are like realistic that I would really love to come for an announcement because I just I want more from the Rise of Skywalker. It's it's you know, it's it's very weird to have such a major Star Wars uh, film. So represented so uh, slimly by the action figures right now. Totally agree. And give me that uh, Claude. Give me a Claude in, in many shapes and forms. Plush Claude, yeah. squishy Claude, kind of Play-Doh feeling Claude. <laughs> How I feel me feels so. Yeah, no, good answer. Good answer. A lot from that movie. Uh, next one here. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy spoke to The rap, and this included some future of Star Wars uh, talk. I'll shout out uh, the fine folks at Star Wars Newsnet because they uh, ran John Hoey ran a nice little recap of the article because I went to the wrap and I needed to pay for a subscription or do a free pro trial. And at that point, I just said, I'm going to go to Star Wars Newsnet and read this about. So I will admit to not having the full context of the interview because I just kind of get bummed. <laughs> I get it. They need money. I get it. I get it. Mm hmm. But I hate when you're like, this cure will change the world if you sign up. And <laughs> Anyways, personal stuff aside. Let's talk about the highlights here, Joseph. Uh, she did say, uh, mentioned Kenobi is a limited series, something I'd say we kind of already knew or felt, but this was a, a kind of offhanded confirmation. I'll talk to you, the biggest Kenobi fan I know. What say you, sir, on that? Uh, yeah, I think this is a great confirmation of things that, uh, you know, ha- had been reported as possible by different outlets. And it makes perfect sense to me, uh, not only with the scope of Obi-Wan's story, uh, but also with Ewan McGregor. You know, I think he seems like he would be happy to revisit this and then uh, move along. I don't think he's like, 
And this is my retirement. (laughs) 17 seasons of Kenobi. Every second he spends, you know, in between these movies. So, yeah, I'm really happy because I do think, uh, and in particular, I think since we are living in a a world of a ton of content, I think we are, it's a great time to be happy for the things that feel like they should be limited. And in fact, that makes them even stronger because it's it's a story. It's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, you, you treasure that and then go on to all the other content. Yeah, and, and I, these limited series, it's like, I like that because it's just going to, you know, bring, you you could bring in some really potential big names, as, you know, as they have with you and McGregor, but just come here, do this cool thing, get on with your life, like you said, and uh, no six seasons in movie indeed. So I'm actually encouraged by that. Um, then she got into the future of Star Wars there, uh, called Making Star Wars, and I, I'm paraphrasing a lot, of, a lot of this here a little bit, because again, uh, Ken didn't sign up for a full subscription. Uh, she called making Star Wars a, quote, ongoing process and says the focus had been on, quote, finishing the saga. Um, what do you think? We'll kind of break each little take down here, Joseph. That makes sense to me. I know you could spin that out of what you you were only focused on these movies, not planning ahead. Now you're doing it. I, I, I can follow that line of thought. So what, what do you think about that particular sentence there <laughs> yeah no i think it may i think it makes perfect sense you know i just uh, read that uh bob Iger book uh to kind of refresh my memory on the timing of all this that lucas uh, you know started the dance with uh disney to to purchase it and i think wanted to make sure that lucasfilm his his vision of lucasfilm was uh protected and he you know asked kathleen kennedy to take over uh before the sale you know, finally went through. So it makes perfect sense that Lucas and uh, Kennedy with their relationship, that Lucas would say like, Hey, you know, um, the, the gears are turning on the possibility of finishing the Skywalker saga. I really want you to do that. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm become part of Disney and Disney's like, and Hey, we can tell all these, you know, one-off stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think a lot of it becomes all about that of Kathleen Kennedy keeps that focus on the Lucas legacy let's finish telling the Skywalker saga. Well, let's also build out these, uh, you know, Star Wars stories. And, you know, we might be having an entirely different conversation if Solo had come out in December. We don't know, right? Uh, So this all makes sense to me that she's like, yep, I'm finishing this. And the plan for moving forward is, well, these stories will kind of keep us going. We'll throw a bunch of those out and we'll see what people like and then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. And then I think a a bunch of different things happened that we're going to talk about more. So it makes sense to me. Yeah, no, it 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 does... It does to me as well as someone who's not in her position. And, and, and I don't, I just don't think it, to me, it wasn't like they've never had one conversation about the future beyond episode nine. It just was, that was the big thing. And you want them to focus on that. You want to, you want, it's, it's the, the saga. It's, it's the Skywalker saga, uh, seven, eight, nine. That's, that's why we all kind of came to the table as fans. Like, yeah, you're continuing this. Yes. Give us those stories. So it just makes sense too, that they would focus on that. Uh, before moving on there, she says there is a, quote, realization that the mythology spans 25,000 years. So confirms, confirms uh, Darth Bane and the Old Republic Hero series on the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, uh, I, I think she's probably taking some meetings with some huge Darth Bane fans who've pitched that that's what it should be. I, I think, honestly, I think that's kind of what she is talking about here. Because, uh, you know, you got on the, the bullet points, you know, that she's taking a lot of meeting with a lot of talent uh, in mm-hmm. Hollywood who are fans. So, I, I mean, the realization, I think, is probably that 
I would guess that they are hearing from lots of people who like, this is the part of Star Wars that I like. Here's where I think we should go. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, like you said, she said they're having fun. Quote, having fun. That's important. Meeting a lot of filmmakers and talent that they needed to take uh, a step back and absorb what George created. I, I like the use of that. I like that idea. And I think it's something that we continuously do as fans. I think we do it here at Force Center to continue to look back at things and absorb what was put there, absorb um, the themes and see what we missed and see where you want to go with your fan. I, I, I think as, a, as fans who do that, so the film studio makes sense. I'd want them to do that too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's so much to examine from their perspective of not only like what are the themes of the Skywalker saga and what uh, what of those ideas make sense to continue to be a part of Star Wars and what are more unique to the Skywalker saga. But then there's also the whole it, it's really important for George to innovate in technology and in design. And then there's the why we're. George's movies financially successful. Do any of those lessons translate to the modern uh, movie making world? I think looking at what George created it means from a lot of different perspectives. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you, uh, so much is in the pipeline that we that we know about, and more that we don't know about. Uh, and this again, whether things go forward or not, development processes. Uh, uh, you know, that's, that's the way, that's the way of it. I am going to make this movie. It, uh, I was just, I was just reading this weekend. Don't ask me why, uh, the, the planned nine to five sequel with Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton and Jane Fonda. Like this is two years ago. And, uh, uh, just, I, I grew up loving that movie. It was one of the first movies I remember watching as a kid. And I was like, Oh my God, what happened to it? And it just, went away like a wisp in the wind so so it, as it is is nine to five in with nine to five so it is with star wars um do you think joseph though with all the stuff in development they're trying to figure it out they're taking these meetings with this extra time everyone kind of has right now to uh, it's unintentionally provided by the pandemic do you think it has allowed them to, to take even more time to absorb to plan and then also reevaluate about what they want to do going forward yeah i i understand that fans hear this and it can interpret it as what you haven't been thinking about this. But the way I think about it is she is saying the number one thing was finishing the Skywalker saga, the star Wars stories and the animated shows uh, were kind of planting seeds to see where we would go next, but they're in a different world than they were when they were starting uh, with, you know, developing force awakens and rogue one. And, and for me, I think, yeah, they might be taking some more time to reevaluate because not only the pandemic, I mean, that's just kind of like, they don't know exactly when they can start shooting, how it's going to change, all that. So that might be a reason to reexamine. Disney Plus, they had no idea that Disney Plus was coming. They hadn't, it, it, go ahead and read Ride of a Lifetime. Bob Iger says, like, I decided that this was absolutely the priority and I knew I had to go to all these companies mm -hmm. and say, hey, I want you to cannibalize your own product. I want you to put what you're going to put on the big screen or on the small screen of television, and I want you to focus to putting some of that into this uh, new streaming service. And I think that's particularly critical with Star Wars because if the plan was, hey, for the movies, for, for the uh, theatrical releases, like, hey, you know that MCU model of let's do one movie with one character and see if that character connects. Let's do another and let's see if they can kind of slowly grow together. I think that's an idea that a lot of fans like and, and has uh, a, a lot of room for innovation and a lot of room for financial safety. 
of like, hey, if that one hits great and the other one kind of doesn't, then great. We'll just pivot towards that one. All of those ideas that that make a ton of sense for the big screen to me are what they're doing on Disney Plus. So mm-hmm. it's possible that a lot of the plans they had for the films, I mean, even with Kenobi, where it was like that was going to be a film we know. And now it's not. Uh, yeah. Now it's Disney Plus. How much they're reconsidering what does uh, Star Wars look like on the big screen, given that one of the approaches we could have used on the big screen, we're now using on Disney Plus, where we're just telling a bunch of smaller stories from different pockets, and maybe they spin off. Maybe in five years, there's a Mandalorian verse on Disney Plus, and there are four shows that all grew from that, you know. And that could have been this amazing, revolutionary Star Wars on the big screen, but now it's on the small screen. So I think re-examining in the context of that makes Mm -hmm. a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other thing I'll say about re-examining is, you know, we all know the story of the solo box office that, you know, it didn't land and how much of that uh, doesn't matter how much we love it, how much of an artistic success was. It wasn't a huge uh, financial success. And how much of that is a... um, when it was released, how much of that is, you know, the market can only support so many Star Wars movies. Uh, and then The Rise of Skywalker, you can't call it a financial failure. It made a billion dollars, right? Right. But it made less than The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. And I think, uh, uh, and then I will I'll pitch it back to you. I apologize okay. for monologuing. No, no. Um, I think there's this big thing of, in my heart of hearts, I think, that what they should do is find an artistic vision that they believe in and do a trilogy. Cause I think a trilogy makes sense for that's it's on the big screen. It's special. It has that uh, rhythm of, of a star Wars movie, a star Wars event, and they should find an artistic vision and creators that they believe in. And they should tell a great new story. Mm-hmm. Um, just like George did with the prequels. But right. when you look at the prequels, that's pretty amazing that Lucas made the, exactly the movies he, he wanted. He was, no matter how much we love them or kids growing up at the time loved them or how many toys they sold, uh, how many Jar Jar Pez units fell, <laughs> flew off the yeah. shelf, they were ravaged by critics and by yeah. older fans. It is amazing that they did as well financially as they did. And I don't think they would. Mm. I don't think that films can that were as critically ravaged as the prequels were uh, and has as much fan pushback as older fans had against the prequels. I don't think that 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 they can survive right. in in this market. So I think that while I always believe that artistic success in artistic truth will lead to success, uh, and want to believe that, I think it's also it's in, it's important for them uh, to just really be cautious mm. um, about well, what is the right we have to do something artistically that we really believe in, but we also have to be aware of the market. And I think what the market to me says between the, all of the uh, extremely uh, strong opinions about the last Jedi pro and con and in between um, all the strong opinions about rise of Skywalker, all of the strong opinions about solo from loving it uh, to the point of advocating that, that there needs to be more, which I'm on that uh, side of it. The friends I have saying like, it didn't move the story forward, so I don't need it. I kind of think that there there must be a question of the world expects a Star Wars movie to be a billion-dollar knock-it-out-of-the-park movie, and right. anything less than a billion dollars is a failure. And to me, right. I'm wondering, is the Star Wars fan base 
divided enough that it does, just doesn't support a billion dollar movie. Mm-hmm. And you can't make a Star Wars theatrical film the same way without just a huge amount of risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of, lots to unpack there. And I agree with all of it. It's just the landscape of the business changing. And again, this is Kathleen Kennedy talking about a lot of things and we're going to have fun as Star Wars fans picking out what we want to hear from that interview in these nice little bite-sized little chunks. Uh, I don't think she's going to be, she can't put all of her cards on the table, right? At an interview. Well, rap, let me tell you, here's <laughs> what we're talking about. but I like what she's saying. I've always, always believed and you got to kind of be able to pivot and look 2012 the deal went through 2011 it was in serious talks the world has changed everything is different that's crazy to think about how long ago but how just in a blink of an eye that was Uh, but everything has changed you mentioned disney plus i think it's the biggest thing the world of possibilities opens up and then also the world of possibilities gets even larger when mandalorian comes out and is a success Mm-hmm. This could have failed. This could have been, I don't know, like the History Channel app. <laughs> sure, it's there. You want to watch shows about aliens? It's on there. It's not that. It's something that people are going to start looking to. It's it's an Mandalorian's an award nominated show. So that just gets people thinking. Uh, new people come on board, and then again, uh, we're going to have a question about directors. So I might remix some of this a little bit later. But uh, eight years ago. There could be someone now who is 25, 26, and one of those super talented, I'm almost kind of jealous about how good and young they are type of people (laughs) who were 17 when Lucas sold this. And if you made a plan in 2013, 14, or 15, and it it didn't, you can't allow for a a, a person like that to be considered or part of it, then you're, you're not doing your job. Uh, I, I, I think you constantly have to be looking forward to, and then that person's going to come to you with a story maybe and be like, Oh, you know what inspires me about star Wars this, because I was 17 or 18 when I first saw or heard of Ray or anything like that. Maybe for, maybe this is a couple years from now, you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, or, I'm actually, or, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, or like, um, regardless of how much uh, people want to focus on it, you know, Lucas was inspired by what he saw going on in the world. Right. Uh, and he, he's just, he's just on record. That's just a, a quote from Lucas about, you know, it, it, troubled by the Vietnam war, right? troubled by uh, the fact that all the movies were gritty and kids didn't have anything to give them hope. There's all sorts of things that was, were affecting him as a relatively young man at that exact period in time. Mm-hmm. And what, I think your point about a younger person is great. And I hadn't considered it of like, what does a 28 year old perceive about the world that can, they can bring that same kind of passion uh, that Lucas did that makes Star Wars feel familiar, but fresh and new again, because it is from a perspective that is totally unique to the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And they're discovering that and they're taking the time. I'm intrigued going back to the 25,000 years thing. It's phrased. I know she says there's a realization that, hey, we have more room to play with. That's, I don't think you should take that super literal. Like suddenly someone was like, hey, Kathleen, you know, we can go back in time. What? Here's um, a visual dictionary. Did you not read it? Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's what's being yeah. said. And again, I, I know she might, it might not be the world's biggest Star Wars fan. I hear that a lot. You know, um, 
doesn't matter to me. That's that's silliness. Uh, we, we we don't need her to be. We need her to run the studio. But also, she loves this stuff and knows George and is there for it. You know what I mean? But, but do I think she is uh, played Battlefront Two story mode? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, but I like that. I like that now because we always what's new, what's next, what's the new stories to tell. And the questions start there uh, and we'll get those answers. So anyways, uh, I don't have much more to say on it other than it was interesting, uh, insightful from a certain point of view, insightful in the lack of uh, true amounts of, uh, you know, little information that actually was in there. Yeah. So can I ask you a a question? Yeah. 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 Before we move on, then then I'll be done. Uh, So the, the out of all of the, Hey, Ryan Johnson is in theory going to have a trilogy, uh, you know, other uh, Kevin Feige is interested in doing something. Uh, Taika Waititi's film is the one that is announced, right? By Lucasfilm. Right. Confirmed. Um, so what What of these three options do you think or want it to be? Do you think this is just a, we're putting a fun standalone, a thing that could have been on Disney+, Plus, but it's going to be on the big screen. It's a fun standalone. Is it a standalone that could possibly grow into sequels if it hits? Or do you think it is a start of a trilogy that Taiki Waititi and his uh, other co-creators have in mind and they're just not announcing it yet? I, yeah, great. And I, wow, a good question. And this is, I'm so in the dark on this and I love that I am. Uh, no rumors, nothing have floated our way. And I, I would like to think it's a, a trilogy. It just kind of works. It's tradition. Uh, Rogue One and Solo tried to buck that. And, and I think, you know, we both enjoy those stories and Rogue One did very well box office wise, but you know, I don't know. It didn't work for a lot of, a lot of people. So, um, I'd like to see him connected. I don't, I, I, I'm such a fan of Taika Waititi. I'm not yet convinced that I want him leading three star Wars movies. And I say that with someone who literally just last week rewatched what we do in the shadows, the movie and watched all the things. And I, I'm a fan. I am a fan. Um, I want, I, I would trust it more if it's Ryan, but I don't even know, you know, I, I, I'm not holding out hope for that happening actually, uh, to be honest, uh, for Ryan movies. Um, yeah, maybe it's a team effort. Maybe all of them in a bucket, but I, I would like to connect it. Just, I, I really would. I would like it to be a new, if it's a new story, give me something I can roam around in for a bit. Yeah, because I think that is a part of the fun of Star Wars of the on the big screen of those years off in between where you wonder what's going to happen next to these characters, you know. So it seems to me that there's got to be I think if it was just straight up a trilogy and they knew that they would have announced it. So I'm kind of thinking it is a standalone with the possibility of growth and just see where it goes. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. All right. That's a look at news. A lot of toys, a lot of talk, a lot of things going on there. We are going to take a quick break. But before we do, we'll have our uh, Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. That is right. We are recommending a book that is brand new and that we will be reading and reviewing in the next several weeks. It is Thrawn Ascendancy, colon, Chaos Rising. Look at all the things that are ascending and rising, both Thrawn and Chaos. This is going to be a busy book. busy book indeed uh if you want to check out that book download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash four center again that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audiobook all right quick break we'll reset on the other side the return of power of the light side and your questions here on four center 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. And we are back here on Force Center. Uh, big news discussion. Thanks for following us on that. But now, Joseph, we are going to get to uh, audience questions and the return of Power of the Light Side. If you don't mind me reading this, Joseph, I'll bring inspiration to the masses here. Please right? do. Oh, go yes. for it. Yes, yes, here we go. I feel like I'm literally, you can't see me. I'm literally cupping my hands like that. <laughs> Uh, this listener writes, uh, hello, four centerers in these between times, much like the before times and the before the before times, while we all await news of the next Star Wars films, I have been fully entertained by the variety and complexity of Lucasfilm's publishing efforts. I wrote previously of my discovery of Star Wars through my local library as a child, and it has been wonderful to continue that, uh, that joy of discovery with these new authors, new characters, and diverse voices all working together to breathe life into the gaps between the films. I had not yet, uh, I had not read a comic before I dove into Vader down, and now I cannot get enough of the adventures coming out of Marvel. I didn't know uh, audio drums existed before Duke of Jedi Lost, and now I hope they, they produce more after the thrill of Dr. Aphra. Star Wars continues to broaden my definition of entertainment and storytelling in ways I don't expect. Introduces me to art forms I didn't know existed and creatives whose skills boggle my mind. But mostly, Star Wars produces uh, me to, uh, to me a community of people who also love to share their experiences, perspectives, and dreams of the future in ways that leave me with absolute belief that there are still countless thrilling adventures and awe-inspiring works still ahead. I thank all of you in the Four Center community for your insight and passion. And thank you, uh, Jen, Ken, and Joseph, for all you have done and continue to make this community the best of the best in the Star Wars fandom. Well said. That's some light side right there. I yeah. love the thought behind that. Star Wars is so big and continues to grow, and there's so many stories to crawl up into and enjoy. 
Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, so Power of the Light side, if you're a newer listener, this is something that we offer uh, some of our patrons on Patreon uh, to share just things that they are joyful about in Star Wars, a big idea like this or a specific thing. And this one came from Tim Langle. I went a little too fast on my note making and I did not write Tim's name down, but it is from Tim Langle. And I agree. It's a absolutely great thoughts uh you when i uh, have been reading some of the comics like i've been loving the books for a long time but some of the comics uh some of them are like oh cool that's a that's some star wars and some of them suddenly just feel like totally essential to my fandom to my understanding of the characters and it is uh great to just see uh so many different uh creators getting to play in the sandbox of star wars yeah and and i think we're blessed and you know, the Legends Expand Universe, all stuff was there, and that, that carried the Star Wars story for many fans. Uh, not here to take that or show it away from anyone. As everyone knows, I just didn't take a big dive into those, but I'm having a blast doing that now. And not everything in the comics hits me. Uh, not everything in the books hits me, but I like a Tim. Just anytime you crack open a new one, there's that anticipation of what's to come and potentially a new Star Wars moment or new character or new vehicle or a new panel of art, it's something there that could grab you and make your love of Star Wars grow. So uh, that's that's where I, I really connect with Tim's words there on that power of the light side. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, yeah. And I love that he's saying that not only did they introduce him to new Star Wars stories, but they introduced him to these mediums of comic books and audio dramas. And it's exciting to think what other uh, adventures that Star Wars can open up for you that isn't even Star Wars, <laughs> just right? a medium. Right. So uh, that, as Joseph said, it comes from our Patreon page. Uh, if you want to head over there and support, we'll tell you where to at the end of the show. And you, too, can submit a power of the light side uh, piece. All right, Joseph, from there, we're going to go to our audience questions. That is right. We get audience questions uh, all the time from both social media and from our patrons on Patreon. We put out a call, uh, oh, I want to think, uh, two weeks ago on both Twitter and uh, Patreon, and we got so many great questions. We will be living high on questions for several weeks, so thanks for all the great questions. Uh, if you posted one, we will be getting to it. Uh, this first one, it comes from Twitter. And it is from Laura Likes Star Wars. Uh, that is the, her Twitter uh, handle, her Twitter name. Uh, she is, of course, uh, from the Force Toast podcast and a mighty competitor in the Schmodown movie trivia contest Star Wars division. So Laura asks, if you could pick any film director that has not directed a Star Wars film yet to direct a new Star Wars movie or show or series, who would you pick and why do you think they would be best suited to the job? This is a great, exciting question, one we have not tackled in a long time, and I love the way uh, Laura phrases it. Like, this is a good interview question. Like, and not yeah. only what do you what do you think, but give me some supporting evidence. Don't just <laughs> shout a name out. Give us some supporting evidence. I am uh, so glad I lost in the Star Wars tournament, so I didn't have to face Laura Kelly. <laughs> um, swept me away out of the tournament. Um, all right, so I. I and I remember back to my old movie talk days, anytime one of those, uh, what are, what's a new director you want to, to see on a project? I'd always struggle because I, I famously or infamously, if you're my old bosses at the at Collider, uh, didn't watch a lot of movies and don't pay attention to a lot of up and coming directors and writers and voices. I kind of wait till they come to Star Wars and then I learn who they are. Um, <laughs> so I did try to dig some stuff up here. Now I'm going to say, you know, she says not director of Star Wars film. I'm going to also extend that to, like Mandalorian, because uh, Deborah Chow, I want to see what she does with Kenobi. I'd love to see what she could do with a movie. 
Bryce Dallas Howard, her joy just is in, uh, just so catchy. Rick Fayuma, uh, we love his insights on, on the Mandalorian Disney Gallery show. So I'd love to see them get more shots, not just at Star Wars with Mandalorian, but a bigger project. Um, but I'm going to put that on the side. And I and I this isn't a young hip choice, Joseph. This isn't a name you've never heard. It's actually a name that I uh, was associated with some potential Star Wars projects. Someone who's been on the record saying like, oh, yeah, I would love to or has even said in some spots, oh, I pitched them things. And there's some bigger conversations or secrets that we don't yet know about that. But I, I still would love to see Guillermo del Toro. Mm. I still really just think and I, you know, and and, you know, I'm not super familiar with Pan's Lab and everything, but I've um, I definitely watched his stuff, either the big, uh, you know, popcorn stuff with Pacific Rim or, or that uh, gothic horror thriller one he put out a little, little while ago. Um, I, I just for his love of Star Wars, for the weird um, underbelly of Star Wars that he could have taken that dive into. He wanted to do that Jabba film or might have been attached to some other film projects or stuff. Uh, rumors, of course, but. I just think there's a vision that he could have brought to it that would have been really just breathtaking at times and interesting, scary at times, maybe thrilling. You know, I just think there would have been just a visual, a visual palette on the screen. Uh, check my movie blog for more critic work. <laughs> and, I, and I, and I still think it, I still hope it happens and it could be a missed opportunity. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of in Guillermo del Toro's work, which makes him a good match for Star Wars. I, you know, remember some of the things that he said about how much he uh, he is a filmmaker who who loves the the telling the stories of the people who feel left out or, or feel unseen. Uh, and I think that's, you know, Star Wars is in a lot of ways an underdog story and everyone has value and let's uh, celebrate that. So I think that perspective is great. And then clearly as both a horror auteur and somebody who I think has a very romantic heart in the largest sense of romantic, I think he's somebody who really delights in finding the the beauty and horror. And I think it makes so much sense that he would look at this, you know, Jabba's palace, this den of weird creatures and the rancor, a terrifying monster. But somebody weeps for him when he dies. Like that feels like I understand why he gravitated toward that. And it feels like. There's a ton of creators, I think, including uh, the Mandalorian that wants to play around in that bounty hunter world. And, you know, what are the characters that or even species that we've overlooked or kind of put in a box and and give them life. But I think uh, Del Toro in his work and in his life philosophy, I think, has this desire to make uh, things that that should seem horrible to make them beautiful. And I think that's a really interesting way to approach a lot of the uh, the monsters and the strange species of the galaxy. Yeah. Who are the monsters? Who are <laughs> the monsters? Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm. So that's your that's your pick, yep. Guillermo del Toro. As again, yeah, not not uh, young and sexy, right? You know, I I wish I had that hip film student that's uh, ready to change the world. I don't, I don't. Yeah, no, I know that that's that that's what the I think the challenge of this is you know really finding people and recognizing them uh, young because it's uh, otherwise it's easy to just kind of rattle off uh, people who uh, have made important things which is uh, what I'm gonna do. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I totally get where you were coming from of, of not picking somebody who worked on the Mandalorian, but uh, Rick Famuyiwa, I enjoy his episodes of the Mandalorian so much and his film Dope. I watched and just absolutely adored and I think what really got me excited about it is uh, Rick Famuyiwa talks a lot in the you know 
the behind the scenes Mandalorian show Disney gallery about also coming at it from the perspective of, you know, really, really rooting for the underdog. So I think that's a great perspective to bring to Star Wars again. Uh, but Dope in particular has, it's, it feels really unique and fresh and alive and from a specific point of view. Uh, but then it's got these like big Star Wars themes. There's this just kind of heart-stopping coming-of-age moment uh, in Dope where a character has to do something really, really frightening and be seen in a different light but that's what the character has to do in that moment Mm. to become what they are meant to be kind of thing to take their first step into the larger galaxy and like to see in a movie you you can watch dope and go like how does that have anything to do with star wars but to me thematically Mm. it sings in this deep connection this moving connection to to me one of like the core themes and ideas and emotions of star wars of coming of age and I, i would be so interested to see I think that's what Star Wars needs. I think it needs yeah. I think it needs on the big screen something that when you see the trailer you're just like holy bleep that looks like nothing I've ever seen in Star Wars. I did not sense any trace of nostalgia on screen. It's so new. But then when you sit and watch it, it makes you feel like Star Wars has made you feel because it is still tied deeply deeply on a deep level to those themes. And I think he is somebody who could really do that. I, no, that's a great choice. And, and and as you're describing what dope was and what he brings and how he looks at these things, yeah, that's that is exactly it. I, Del Toro for me maybe is, is more visual. Again, not not saying his stories because you're right. The way he approaches them, I think line up with Star Wars too. But but it's like, hey, what 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 would the look of Star Wars be if he brought it? But I think I I do want them to find those creators that could tell that like you said, the coming age story. But all that is within those stories. Just uh, have it be in a in a diner. I don't know, like George Lucas <laughs> telling him, <laughs> uh, I'm more interested in that George than the THX George, which is part of it too, right? Uh, obviously, but because I think you can boil it down, and I think that's yeah, that's a great answer because of that. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, because I cannot contain myself, uh, just a couple of the names that I want to throw out there is uh, Patty Jenkins. I know she's kind of an obvious choice, but I I really love that uh, Wonder Woman film. I think it also has things that really remind me of Star Wars because it, it you break that uh, that movie down and it's dealing with some very very Star Wars themes of uh, Diana goes out into the world thinking that you know that she needs to you know wield this weapon in. In, in defeat something and it comes to learn these other ideas about where power might come from. I'm trying not to spoil a movie that's <laughs> a very popular movie that's many years old. I'm trying not to spoil. Anyway, the point is it, it's got amazing action. It's got a fresh perspective. It has humor and hope and all the things that I like in Star Wars. So uh, Patty Jenkins comes to mind. The, and this one was going to be like earlier this week. I was like, huh, this is one people aren't going to see coming, but now I think uh, they do. And that is Olivia Wilde. Um, the, the comedy she made, Book Smart, is one of my favorite movies of recent years. Absolutely uh, hilarious and also incredibly moving. And then, you know, this week, the reports that she's going to be doing a big Marvel movie. I think Olivia Wilde is, again, somebody who can handle uh, comedy and uh, a yeah. deep emotion and theme and has a different perspective. And especially if she's, you know, going up to that next uh, blockbuster tier of handling a Marvel film. She seems yeah. like she is on the trajectory and then the last thing is, I, I think there's many, many Russo brothers to be found, uh, which by that I mean somebody who is mostly worked in television. There's a director named Rachel Talele. 
made Tank Girl back in the day, uh, but mm-hmm. then has mostly been doing television. She's done some of the most critical, I- I- incredibly important episodes of uh, recent Doctor Who. She has done uh, DC CW shows. She has done Riverdale. And she's on record as saying, I would love to do a Star Wars. So I think there's a ton of people out there like that that I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, and that'll be the thing, you know, yep. something you don't really know. Yep. Come along and change your world but great question laura Got yeah absolutely thank you so much for sending that in laura we're gonna move on to james ito james says which star wars costume from any era would you love to own and wear in private and public <laughs> love the specificity yeah well that's the rub right it's got to work both ways it's got to have some kind of comfort style but uh yeah. Hmm. So talk talk me through it, Ken. It is late at night. You are in your home dealing with the spider infestation. Yeah. Which Star Wars character are you dressed as? I mean, really, it uh, mostly Dagobah Luke <laughs> with the the sleeves off. I mean, that's <laughs> literally what I'm doing now. Here, it's hot. It's hot. It's hot. Um, muddy pants, Luke. You muddy pants, Luke. I gotta tell you, I I might. You know, it might end up being uh Bespin Lando. I, I mean Wow. I've always wanted a good cape. He's got style, he's got grace. Lando gives good face. And <laughs> he that his outfit in Bespin, Lobot's got it too, but it just looks like you could lounge in that with a lot of success. Oh yeah. Yeah, it no, it's like pajamas. Is like blue that. your color? Do you think do you think blue is your color? <laughs> think it is i got green eyes allegedly and i need green and uh, i always dress in black because um you know i like to eat so um but yeah i think I, the cape would take away you know i have a little self-conscious uh, problem that's why i'm always in jackets when it's 100 degrees out still uh so the cape could i i could feel covered by it if i need yeah, that cape is just, that's a lot of confidence, it is always the, you know, I don't need to buckle it up, it just rests on my shoulders. <laughs> it just sits there, because I want it to. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, in all honesty, it's partially because I think it would truly be comfortable, and it's the character that I think, just they, there's something about the look that I have always gravitated toward, I think it would be uh, episode three, Obi-Wan. His just his nice straightforward Jedi robes. Oh. I would love to be anytime like you got the full robe on and you're you're just walking around in public. Maybe you know you go to a restaurant and <laughs> you order something nice, and now it's time to eat and drink, and you take that robe off and drop it like showtime. <laughs> and then you're still in those comfy, cool looking robes. I just yeah. you know they're not the most uh, bizarre or out 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 there surprising outfit in Star Wars, but there's the cut of it is beautiful. Yeah. And I think I would feel very comfortable in it. I have uh, eaten at a restaurant with Joseph. I can confirm when his food comes to the table, he says, hello there. And <laughs> he even takes his knife and fork and does the two little two finger point. Like, <laughs> like yeah, like, it's great. It's an adventure. This pasta better stand down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. So many. That's a, such a great answer to private and public because I absolutely would. You, you know how when you wear a, like the right shirt or the right outfit that, you know, it's not even about anybody else seeing you. You just feel good in it. Yeah. I'd feel so great in Obi-Wan's costume. And just sitting here on the Internet, my tweets would be so much better if I wore that costume. Everything. Everything. All right, we'll move on uh, to our questions from uh, patrons on Patreon. First up is Joshua Thorne. Joshua asks, 
did Bale send Leia to find Obi-Wan because they thought Obi-Wan could be the hero they need or because he remembered Obi-Wan took the other Skywalker twin and he thinks he might be a Jedi like his father now. Great thought starter. Uh, Ken, what's your thought finisher on that one? What do you think? I don't know if I have, this is great, Joshua. I really love this. Got me thinking. Got me replaying that Rogue One moment and just what you know of the story. I think, now I think thematically it works for me a little better if he's like, go get Obi-Wan because he's our only help. And that's part of Obi-Wan's death, right? He he dies so that the, you know Luke can go on and save the galaxy and learn the lesson of moving on and all those kind of things there. But there's got to be some part of his brain that's thinking, wait, maybe maybe it's two for the price of one. He can't, you know, he can't say it. And, and, and is he walking around with that knowledge in his head? Right? I mean, we know it's, there's, Leia's got a brother and Bale knows. Is he like hoping that happened? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, is he like, go out there, um, ask him if he's got this uh, kid hanging out with him, Leia. <laughs> I don't know, just for no reason. Just just ask. I think there's some factor to that. But I, I think thematically, I, I do like, again, like the idea that, it, it, you know, help, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only help. I, I, I think there's power in that. And uh, similar to Luke in 8, you got to move past that. And you have the power yourself here and blah, 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 all those kind of bigger themes. But I, I don't know. I mean, Josh was giving me pause here. Yeah. No, it is. It's a really great thought. I, I think for me... Uh, yeah, it's really fun to track that. Like, yeah, Bale is aware that that's the division of the twins. I think he's also aware of Obi-Wan and Yoda's general philosophy of, you know, we will go into exile until the time is right. And I think on just a super practical level, from all the great canon we got in the Leia, Princess of Alderaan book and in Rogue One, that it's clearly Bale's just very practical belief of, we have done everything we can to kind of stymie the empire politically. There's this, the galaxy's really suffering. Now there's this super weapon that if that comes online, that's kind of it. They, they will be able to control everything. We've waited 19 years on a practical level. Now is the time and we need your help, Obi-Wan. And I think, you know, that quick conversation between him and Mon Mothma, I think there's a lot in that of the, the council says like, no, no, we're not going to fight. And then Mon Mothma be like, yeah, but no, we're going to fight, right? The war is coming no matter what we do. The war is coming. And Mon Moth is like, it's, I think it's time to contact your your friend. Yeah. So I think he's really coming at it from that perspective. And there's this fun question of uh, how much Bale even kind of believes in fate and destiny and the view of the force that, you know, now is the time to... Not, I'm sending my daughter because I trust her and because she's a part of this, but also is now the time to let the chips fall where they may up to a point, you know? Yeah. And, and realize that this might be the time where strings start getting pulled and, and so be it. Now is the time for everything to kind of come out. I think in terms of the, of the Luke question for, for Joshua, I think given that in that Princess of Alderaan book, Bale is so resistant to letting Leia get involved in the rebellion that I think he must know what that is for other parents. And I don't think he would presume for mm. Luke, right? Yeah. I think... I just think there's some, there's something to me that just seems like Obi-Wan is, you know, he, he is the old general, the old hero. It's time for him to step up and help us. I don't think Bale would kind of presume that of a kid he doesn't know. Right. Yeah. Of the same age, of the same, yeah. Yeah, and I think he would really relate to it because he knew, he knew what he went through 
raising Leia, trying to give her all of the, you know, wisdom of being Padme's daughter without also knowing the danger of letting her know too much about who she is. Like he's been through this. So I think, I think, you know, maybe they're back in his head of like, I don't know what strings are going to be pulled on by her going there where her brother is or what Obi-Wan is going to choose to say to her. I think he is definitely taking a leap of faith, but I don't think he's quite as calculated as, yeah. (laughs) And maybe that other kid's ready to kick some ass too, you know? Yeah. Look, if if Obi-Wan shows up and goes, Hey, we got, we got, uh, we got some help here. I think Bale would have um, taken it tragically. uh, Didn't get to find that out, but um, yeah, yeah. I I, I agree with what you're saying there too, because there's got to be some concern of, who his father was, just like a concern of, of who Leia's father was. But Bale knows Leia. He raised Leia with Brea. Uh, he, you know, who knows how long, how, how many times he and Obi-Wan have had secret conversations in the last 19, 20 years. You know, I, 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 I can imagine there being one or two. Maybe that show will answer that question, but I don't imagine there's postcards. Uh, <laughs> the boy's 16. He's, uh, I, I've watched from a distance. He's great at fighting womp rats. He's right. I, I don't imagine that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I and that's that's what's really thrilling to me with this question is it's great fun to just kind of have head cannon and have our opinions. Great thought starter from from Joshua. Uh but to know that we're gonna get an Obi-Wan show and we might find out that there has been contact or there hasn't been contact. Uh we know that there's in the Cassian show, uh, we know that Bale is the actor's cast, right? Um yeah, so right. we might get some great bail insights to how he is approaching the war, not just the war. Maybe we'll get some great insights into how he's approaching, you know, the hope for what the Skywalker twins might mean for the galaxy. You know, or is he just or is he just like, nope, that's uh, if Yoda and Obi-Wan got opinions on the Jedi stuff, I'm just raising my kid and that's it. You know? Yeah. Great. Very interesting stuff. Uh, moving on to our final question and is uh, many of our questions from our Patreon listeners are, which we encourage. It is a combination question and essay, which we Ooh, absolutely yeah. love. This comes from Jedi Scout. Uh, Jedi says, uh, <laughs> I just uh, decided your first name is Jedi, <laughs> Jedi Scout. Uh, Jedi B Scout. Jedi Scout says, I finally had a chance to play Jedi Fallen Order during a much-needed vacation last week. Beautiful story that hit all the right notes for me. The one that hit me the hardest, though, was when Jero teaches Cal that the obstacles in your path define the path. What stands in the way becomes the way. This was such a profound thought, overflowing with truth, that I knew it could not possibly be original. The (laughs) oldest version of it that I found was from Marcus Aurelius's Meditations 5.20, (laughs) I'm sure, you know, it's software. Uh, The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. When something unexpected or undesired appears, I attempt to first go to there is no motion, there is peace from the Jedi Code to place a stopper between the emerging stimulus and my inevitable negative response. And that works wonders as a shield against the ravages of the world. But this notion of not only deflecting the obstacle, but turning into it, grasping a hold of it, and using it to become the path forward seems to take one's reaction to adversity to a whole other level. What does Jero's teaching mean to you, and when have other characters in Star Wars exemplified this principle? So, nice, straightforward question. Uh, Great thoughts from Jedi Scout. Ken, what are your reactions to that? What does that teaching mean to you, uh, this wisdom that is uh, is Jedi Scout researches has uh, been in the world, has been in writing and in philosophy and in myth, and now is uh, interpreted into the existing mythos of Star Wars in this video game. What does the teaching mean to you? Uh, it, it's, it's 
pretty powerful when you when you take these big complex thoughts and you boil them down to a nice statement or sentence from a character, right? It it, it it's the point of it. It's love it. I love I love Jedi uh, Scouts. Uh, it was so good. I I knew it couldn't be original. Uh, <laughs> I, I I love that. Um, because yeah, it's true. Because that's what George did too. He took these uh philosophies from a lot of different spots and and dumped them into his space fantasy. So I love that. I love that it lines up the tradition of Star Wars and what it means uh, to me. It's similar to Qui-Gon's focus. Your focus determines reality. I don't know. uh, Glass half empty, glass full. uh, (laughs) Things we've heard. But yeah, the idea that, I don't know, not to... uh, things even professionally have popped up recently, even stuff for you and I here with force center where it's like, well, we are going along nice and smooth. And this, this thing in front of us is, is a problem, but that also just means now we have to go not necessarily around it or over it, but maybe another direction. And that's the way we're supposed to go. And, and, and we can approach it with that and we can go that way. And I really love that idea to boil it down for a, a, a simple man like me, like, uh, you might not like strike one or two at, at, if you're having a baseball at bat, but strike three is still in your power to, to swing and hit. Uh, you know, you're where you are. And no going back, only going forward. And uh, in turn, Star Wars terms, you know, it's real straightforward. And I just, I love the idea, especially with what's going on with Cal at the time. And I can, uh, you know, it's almost worth, I have a lot of frustrations with that game. But I think the story, like Jedi Scout says, is really good and hits a lot of cool points and it's worth revisiting. Yeah, and I think the the story is really well written and has a lot of great Jedi thoughts and Jedi perspective and, and Star Wars mythos uh, wisdom uh, all baked into it. Um, yeah, I think for me it is definitely this idea that, that does relate to, you know, your fo- focus determines your reality. If you have made a plan and you are heading in this direction and these are the steps that you think you need to do and then this huge obstacle comes into your path um you can just be angry at it and see it as an obstacle or you can if at all possible see it as an opportunity right of this was unexpected but maybe if i look at it from a different point of view there is actually a way that this can be used to help me uh continue on my forward movement maybe on a different path than i thought and maybe that's actually how i'll end up where i wanted to be in the first place. I love all that, uh, that idea. I think yeah. I, I can't speak without caveat. So I always like to caveat some of this stuff of like, I do think there are things that happen to us in real life that are just like horrific tragedies and, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't, you know, be overly blase about them. And they're, you know, bad things happen to people that are bad and they need to be coped with. And I think I, I make an effort to recognize that and, mm-hmm. and then take this next step to, this kind of philosophy of um, what are things that that are bad, but that we can still work with to get us where we want to go. I, I love that you brought up uh, just like the podcast, honestly, like doing Force Center. I, I did not move to Los Angeles <laughs> to talk with my friends about Star Wars uh, yeah. every week. It, it is a thing that just came into my path and it has, I could have looked at it in frustration. I could have looked at it and said, you know, after all the work I've done as a, a, a writer and a creator, I can't believe that this is what uh, the galaxy seems to be sending at me. Um, and Ben, like, I guess I'll do it because people kind of seem to like it. You know, I could have looked at it negatively uh, because it wasn't a part of my plan. Um, but in, but I have found so much joy in embracing it. And 
honestly thinking through all the themes and ideas of Star Wars and hearing other people's ideas and the relationships that they have and have changed entirely the way I look at writing and have changed entirely uh, the way I kind of the kind of things that I want to create and have made me a, a different kind of Star Wars fan than I probably would have been. And that to me is a personal example of it wasn't what I planned. It was a thing that plopped down in front of me <laughs> through, uh, you know, all this great happenstance. Yeah. Uh, and I feel better for having embraced it and it better, you know, moving on the path uh, with it rather than resisting it. That's, and I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> glad too. Yeah. The other, the other part of it for me is just, I think on a philosophical level, it is why I really uh, enjoy comedy in particular, but also storytelling because both comedy and storytelling, I think are a way that we, used to turn things that could be painful or frustrating into joy like as simple as hey if something you know kind of crappy happens and you turn it into a joke you turn it into a story that maybe educates but maybe is just cathartic and and just turns something that could be upsetting into something that's joyful for you that's also joyful for an audience that's a great way to look at this of just like, yep, that I had a really bad day, <laughs> you know, uh, as you and I have both experienced, well, I had a car accident, but that's not a fun thing. That's a literal obstacle in your path. But if it becomes a story, if it becomes a joke, it transforms into something uh, joyful that uh, moves you forward. And it's one of the reasons that I think uh, all sorts of storytelling and comedy are important and in a way, a way for us to cope with uh, the obstacles in our path and maybe move forward with them. Yeah, and I love that you tossed in the you know tossed in lightly, but put put the that caveat up top. And yes, there's 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 trauma, there's things that happen, and and um I think there uh, there is a proper and an appropriate way forward. But uh, so it's not an all uh, it weren't we're not saying it, and Jarl's not saying it either. That's ah, all the clones uh, just killed your masters. It's okay. Um, just yeah just pivot you know like yeah, it, yeah just change your branding on your logo no um it's not that simple it's not that simple but i do think the ideas um these powerful ideas are powerful because just they're they're there they're there for you to digest and choose uh, the direction forward because again you know i always that destiny takes you to choices so here here you are and and you don't know what way is forward and and a blockage in the road will uh, send you down the street you needed to be on in the first place. Yeah. Uh, or in the case of that car accident, my decision to go straight instead of my normal left <laughs> left me without a car. But because of that car and the payout, I was able to eat food during the lockdown. Things <laughs> work out. Things work out. Things work out. Uh, your focus determines your car accident, right? <laughs> exactly. So the second part of uh, of Jedi Scout's great question is, when have other characters in Star Wars exemplified this principle of turning the obstacle into the way forward? So I, I was trying to think of like literal, like, I'm not literal, but just, you know, now we must go down this hallway. But the, just there's some bigger ones with Luke on his journey forward, his journey to be a great warrior and all the things he learned, including... You know, your dad's the guy you got to kill <laughs> or is trying to kill you or trying to run the galaxy. That was a obstacle in his path. <laughs> he had to go a different direction with choice or not. But I'll, I'll even go down. You know, I like uh, I like Poe Dameron. Mm. Uh, he just wants to he just wants to get into that cockpit and fly. He's a fly boy. 
And then along the way, things start happening. Next thing you know, there's obstacles in front of them. And the path he's on is to uh, the position of leadership and leadership on a grand scale that brings a lot of weight and pressure and stress and dark times. And they're all on his heart and soul and, and, and his mind and, and literally his body. And I, I, that's why I, we love that Lando scene at the foot of uh, Leia's deathbed and, and what it means to me, just to, you know, how, how did you do it? How do you go on and how he gets there in the end? Uh, that's also a little bit how I, I look at this question and, and that kind of stuff too, is Poe could have been like, I don't want to be a leader. I just, I'm going to blow stuff up. That's my goals and I'm sticking to it and I'll get around it. He, he was forced to go in another direction and eventually gets there. And that's also to me what it means is it's, it is hard. It is a hard journey and you go through long, dark tea times of the soul but you you might find yourself better on the other side. Yeah, no, I I think that that's a great example, and I think there's kind of endless examples in Star Wars from the kind of really straightforward to the deeper philosophical. You know, we just did that uh, uh, episode of the Clone Wars report analyzing the Clone Wars episode Ambush, and I feel like that episode of Ambush is a lot about that, where the clones are like, we are totally outnumbered, and uh, and you're just one tiny little <laughs> Jedi, and they they keep and Yoda keeps reminding him, it's like yeah, the fact that there are fewer of us, we can actually uh, turn into an advantage, um, you know? And yeah, we're walking, we're actually literally walking away from the direction we're supposed to go to, uh, but that will actually help us to go through the coral reef this way because that's the path that is better for us. Uh, in uh, So there's like literal stuff, I think, uh, on the literal side, like Chewie uh, in the Ewoks taking the ATSD, right? I mean, that's uh, a real, like literal, the obstacle of like that thing <laughs> is shooting <laughs> us let's embrace it. Let's embrace the obstacle. And then that, that follows all the way through to uh, Han can't get the door open. Han and Leia can't get the door open. Right. And Han using that obstacle to get them to where they need to be in the bunker. And then like e- even to uh, the deeper, I, I could go on and on about all the, I, I think that the idea in the rise of Skywalker of it is a Jedi's destiny to confront fear of that, the the thing that you don't want to deal with, but you have to in order to move forward is, I think, really representative of that idea. And, you know, just to gravitate to the one specific example, uh, Luke on Endor in particular, like, yeah, he, it's his destiny to face his father. Uh, but Vader is a specific uh, problem, a specific obstacle in that he can sense Luke and he knows exactly where the rebels are. And that's just a great example of Luke saying like, well, I'm going to have to face my father eventually it's an obstacle that he can pinpoint locate the rebels because he can sense me. I'm going to lean into it and I'm just going to go, I'm going to solve that problem by just facing my destiny, by facing my father now. And of course we all know where that, that choice leads to a, a good resolution for Luke Skywalker. Mm, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great thoughts. Uh, thank you for everyone for sending in their questions for uh, Jedi scout, uh, Joshua Thorne, uh, James Ido and Laura Kelly. Thank you for all of the great uh, questions. And we have so many that uh, came in from Twitter in Patreon and I'm looking forward to tackling them in the coming weeks. But for now, that's it for our questions, Ken. That's it for our questions. And we're starting to wrap up this very fun news and cues show. If you want to join the conversation, just give us a follow and keep up to date on Force Center happenings. Go to Twitter at Force Center Pod, like our Facebook page. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us at patreon.com slash Force Center. Always uh, happy to have new people on board to help support us. And always a great way to support the show is... 
to tell a friend, like, subscribe, rate, review, all those wonderful things. Yes, as Joseph mentioned, we both didn't move to L.A. to talk about Star Wars. We enjoy the hell out of it, but we do other <laughs> things. Uh, you can go to KenNapsock.com for information on all the things I got going on, including I can finally officially announce I was teasing it recently, but uh, returning to live comedy uh, on, a, on a comedy stage, no one will be in the audience except for you at home. It's a virtual comedy show uh, with Mark Ellison friends live streaming from the world-famous Viper Room on the Sunset Strip, September 5th. Uh, 7 p.m. Tickets available at markellislive.net. You can put on your Baby Yoda Millennium Falcon sweatpants and watch (laughs) perform on stage uh, safely uh, with very few people uh, filming us. It's going to be an interesting experience, Joseph. Joseph. I I don't know what to expect, but I'm excited to be doing it there. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you able to, like, obviously, uh, the other comedians, performers there will will be uh, a sound of laughter. But are are they pipe in the sound of anybody watching at home so you can hear the laughs? I, I these are good questions. <laughs> I don't. I think other there are going to be other. Mark's headlining and Josh McCougan and I are going to co-host the show. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to do that on stage together. <laughs> we have to it's six feet apart. Uh, but the, I think there's going to be other comics, and I think I heard they're going to be doing it live from their houses that they won't even be at the Viper. Wow. A limit, a limit on how many people can be there. Details still may work, but it's going to be fun. Uh, Mark's, uh, you know, special dog stepfather came out last year. You were part of that tape in Chicago too, Joseph. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, building forward to the new special as, 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 as comics uh, want to do. So it'll be an interesting experience. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, um, I just don't know what to expect. Oh yeah, no that that's a fun and unique challenge, and I think it'll be I think it'll be a great show and a great experience. Speaking of pivoting uh, into the obstacle, see the pandemic. I think a lot of us are pivoting yeah. into the obstacles. Yes. <laughs> uh, final thing here before uh, we pitch to what Joseph's got going on. We uh, on, on the new share, news and Q show here. We like to highlight charities and everything uh, that we uh, believe in sport on our own uh, personal. Uh, websites and channels and lives uh, right now. Uh, the California Fire Foundation is the charity I'm talking about. The CAFireFoundation.org. It is an organization, a nonprofit organization that provides emotional and financial assistance to families of fallen firefighters, firefighters, and the communities they protect. Right now, state of California, as is our want this time of year, it is uh, a lot of wildfires. In fact, two of the largest ever on record are going on right now, mostly northern California. So SoCal, we haven't been hit as hard yet, but it's just uh, last year were some of the worst ones there. I've been out here 22 years, and and every year we got some, uh, but this just, uh, you know, as, as you build into the hills, the tragedies just become um, more apparent. Uh, and so this is something that's close to my heart. And thanks to my Twitch followers, uh, every month now on Twitch, uh, we are doing a charity drive where I raise some funds and a, a large percentage of those funds go to this. So we actually yesterday made a donation to cafirefoundation.org. Thank you all. Thank you all. Uh, for you, Joseph. Yeah, that's a great, great uh, thing to highlight. Uh, yeah, for myself, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And then you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for all sorts of different comedy adventures, comedy albums. Uh, one in particular that I'll highlight uh, is called Adventures in Voting. And it is a compilation of a bunch of different people uh, talking about the pop count culture character that inspires them to stay engaged and use their power and get out and vote and any proceeds made from adventures in voting go to rock the vote to try to encourage people to get out there 
and vote. And then the other thing that I wanted to highlight this weekend is a friend of the show who's done a ton of great art for us, uh, as well as uh, T-shirts and all, all sorts of just great stuff and has been a great person to hang out with, an all-around wonderful and talented person, Brian Ward. Uh, Brian lost his father to COVID-19, and we wanted to highlight his great Tea Public store. Uh, he has so many great T-shirts, including the amazing Roll It Again. He has two different designs of Roll It Again, of capturing yeah. that amazing moment where uh, Ian McDermott came out and said those beautiful words, Roll It Again, but some great mashups. Uh, the Palpatine is Pooh Bear with a jar of Snoke. Absolutely beautiful, hilarious stuff. Uh, so I think this is a great time to give him the support that he always deserves, but in particular now to go uh, check out his Tea Public store. And that is at uh, tpublic.com slash user slash Brian, B-R-Y-A-N-E, Ward, W-A-R-D. Yeah, great choice to highlight that, Joseph. Uh, well said. Brian's just a, a great guy. Uh, a year ago, Star Celebration, we were on the floor hunting for figures with him as well. And that Roll It Again shirt, I have uh, one of the versions. It's still one of my favorite to wear. Because as we talked about on Star Wars Rank this week, that is one of my favorite Palpatine quotes. So, <laughs> uh, Brian, we're thinking of you during this tough time. And uh, we hope you find some comfort and peace. Uh, we appreciate you. And we'll talk soon. All right, that is it for this week. Another supersized edition of the Superstar Destroyer of our fleet. Four Center News and Cues. Thank you all. We'll see you next time. This was Four Center.